in three, two, one. Am I recording? Yes, I am. In three, <laughs> two, one. Hello, interwebs, and welcome to Close Up. I'm your co-host, Joe. And I'm Ryan. Today, Ryan and I are going to be talking about Star Wars, The Clone Wars, the 2008 Lucasfilm series, the cartoon exploring the events between Star Wars Episodes 2 and 3. If you're watching this, you probably know, but we just want to give you a warning. We're going to be probably discussing major spoilers for the whole show, potentially some spoilers for Star Wars Rebels, The Bad Batch as well. Uh, we're going to try to refrain from Ahsoka spoilers because... That show's still ongoing as of the time of this recording. Um, but maybe some minor spoilers for Ahsoka episode one through six. It might come up. Um, so going on to our medium shot now. What was your first exposure to Star Wars The Clone Wars? Uh, I was a wee lad scrolling through my cable box um, list back in the day, and then I saw something that said Star Wars, and I was like, oh, I'll watch this, and it was a cartoon, but it was Anakin and Count Dooku fighting in a desert, and you're like, I've never seen this in live action, what is this? Is this possible? And I believe it was the movie that I was watching, yes, and then uh, I had discovered the that there was an entire show, and I think that was the first time ever where I actually tried to pay attention to release schedules because well besides the first two seasons they got a little bit more episodic later on um we'll talk about that with clone wars they flip-flop between timelines a lot it's the george lucas way mm -hmm. but that was like the one time where i was uh was very paying attention to when release schedules were happening especially during one arc in season four uh involving ahsoka which i won't talk about yet but uh, and then I grew to love it. I mean, as someone who grew up watching the prequels um, and then seeing that there was more prequel stuff to sort of expand it, I uh, I was very intrigued and interested. I my journey with the Clone Wars began in 2008 when it released. I remember going to the Bayfield Mall and Barry a lot of you probably would never have even heard of that but it's basically a dead place now but they used to have this theater in the mall and i remember seeing the clone wars movie there probably opening weekend i don't recall i was 10 years old but yeah it was a packed audience and i'm like wow a new star wars movie in theaters this is gonna be awesome although even at 10 years old i was that star wars fan who was like what do you mean Anakin has an apprentice? She wasn't in Revenge of the Sith. What's this about? I, I, I don't understand. What are you adding new things for? <laughs> but, and she, I did not warm up to the character right away. Like, I know she was created for our generation, but I was just like, eh, okay. Even back mm -hmm. when I was 10. Ahsoka would, of course, later grow on me a lot as I got to see her journey unfold. But even even at the time, I didn't really care for that movie pilot. And we can go on about this a little longer. But that movie was essentially the first three episodes rolled into one and presented as a feature film, which I believe was a mistake. It wasn't that good, honestly. But it was Star Wars, and I liked it. And then I tuned in for the show, and 
at the time, the art style just never really sat right with me. I, I don't know. It, it was weird because I was into everything Star Wars at that time, but I just couldn't get into the Clone Wars. I tried mm-hmm. for the first half of season one, probably, and I, I just couldn't keep up with it. I don't know why. I kept Well, the hearing... animation from the movie and the first season is pretty rough. It got way more smoothed out later on in season, but you could, it's there's yeah. some <laughs> well, it rough wasn't, patches. It was just the style. It's just this 3D animation style on TV, oh, something yeah. I'd never seen before, and it was off-putting, mm. which is, we're going to get into that in a little bit. But it wasn't until years later, I'd say about 2013, 2014, when they, the Clone Wars came to Netflix and they did that season six, that I decided, ah, okay, I'm a little bit older, I'm nearly in high school now, you know, let's, let's rewatch this with some fresh eyes. And then I loved it. I got all the way through season six. Uh, uh, through season one all the way to six. And I'm like, oh, why didn't I watch this as a kid? This was awesome. <laughs> and I've been a massive proponent for the show ever since, all the way up to season seven on Disney Plus. Continue to watch them. And I'm a, made me a big fan of the Dave Filoni TV verse and just all his Star Wars in general. Mm-hmm. I don't think we're going to be talking much about the Clone Wars micro series by Gendy Tartakovsky today. You could argue, yeah, maybe this is a Clone Wars animation episode. It might come up. Here's but, a review. It's good. <laughs> yeah. But that's kind of what I was comparing it to at the time, because that was the Clone Wars that I, I remembered as a kid. I still have them on DVD and they were short, Ooh, but nice. they were they were really stylistic and they were just awesome. So. The pacing of the 3D series always felt a little bit more weird to me at the time. It was just, mm-hmm. oh, um, the 2D series is just constant in-your-face action, massive battles, ridiculous amounts of clones and droids and ships at all time filling the screen. It's just an overload on your senses. And this Clone Wars was more measured and talking and politics included and... Yeah, the a first, lot of uh, mulling over the the effects and dangers of war, and like, are clones human beings too? Like, there were all these deep philosophical mm-hmm. questions. Like, I didn't really grasp with at the time. Yeah, the very first episode of Clone Wars is Yoda and Dooku trying to win over the political aid of another planet. The and um, it follows the. Um, Follows the adventures of the Separatists trying to take out Yoda and three other clone troopers, uh, which basically kind of sets up the whole show. But as a kid, you're like, what? What? Is-? And they're, they're talking like not political jargon, but it, it was tailored towards kids, but didn't treat them as kids. I still remember the scene from that one episode where the clones are willing to sacrifice themselves for Yoda and... They say, well, you're the important one here to get to this delegation to to do the politicking. We're just soldiers. We're expendable. We're we're clones. Our lives don't matter. And Yoda basically told them in the eyes of the force, you're all living beings just mm-hmm. as equal and worthy as one another, as, as me even. And that was pretty important to set up right off the gate that clones are people too and not everyone sees them that way, <coughs> General Krill. <laughs> but in the terms of this show, they are Spoilers. not disposable <laughs> soldiers. They all look the same, but they act differently and are unique people. They all people. have different personalities, yeah. 
which they didn't necessarily do that part great right up front. No. I don't think the show really got into full swing until Rookies. It was about episode yeah. five. Mm-hmm. When we meet Domino Squad, Fives, Echo, Heavy, the other two guys. Yeah, and you follow now. you follow a lot of those people, uh, a lot of those uh, troopers in that squad throughout the series, and some stick around for a lot longer than others. But if you think about it, the clones in their whole life is pretty dark. I mean, they're born out of test tubing, rapidly aged, and aren't given names; they're given numbers because they're supposed to be expendable. And whenever, and then. Probably one of the more darker arcs is um I can't remember what it's called, but it's with General Krell. Darkness when they, thank you. When they uh try to or they even are like we we as an audience have have accepted them as individuals, and then there's this Anakin's accepted them as individuals. Anakin is Mm -hmm. a good leader who commands their best strengths and leads them to battle in in a way which often ensures a victory, but also minimizes casualties. And then we have General Krell going to the Russian school of warfare and just toss his manpower as much as he can, because whatever, we can just make more. They're still fighting a war. We can't piss off Putin. Classic <laughs> Russian warfare. I don't know what their tactics are in, in nowadays, but... Oh, I hear what you're saying. They yeah. have the numbers. Um... Yeah. But yeah, just one of it's one of those arcs that really make it's this is the type of kids show that makes you think when you were a child. Kind of I would say the same thing as The Last Airbender where also it is tailored towards kids in in terms of style and animation whatever. I roll my eyes at that because a lot of adults don't realize that animation is also for adults. Yep. But they don't treat them as kids. Yes. They treat them as they're like, hey, we know people watching this are smart and capable of thinking. So let's try to uh, make sure that they can think <laughs> and explain yeah. it properly. And a lot of that is owed to both George Lucas and also his godson, Dave Filoni, <laughs> Dave Filoni um, who basically is the godson of Star Wars right now. I mean, well, it's funny you should mention Avatar The Last Airbender because I did read recently that. It was Dave Poloni's work on Avatar that caught George Lucas's attention in the first place. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Some he of the wrote episode. for it. Yeah. And George thought, oh, this guy seems like somebody I want to work with for Star Wars. Mm-hmm. Good choice. Dave Poloni is a guy who respects George's vision for the franchise and the themes and knows how to carry that forward without george lucas he's like the voice of george lucas but well no offense to george Mm -hmm. lucas but he's a better writer george lucas was always a great ideas guy Mm -hmm. but he was never the best at executing those ideas yeah dave filoni's got that happy medium he understands it and has the talent to execute at the same time Mm -hmm. i think all the power comes from the cowboy hat yeah. Although, <laughs> once again, it's it's a team effort because George Lucas was also pretty heavily involved in this show, from what I recall. Oh, yeah. Dave Filoni wrote most of the episodes. He was the main showrunner, but George Lucas got final say on everything. Many mm-hmm. of the ideas in this show were from his mind itself. The characters, the situations, the I'm arcs. <laughs> it was just Dave Filoni who made it happen. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Ahsoka as a character was George's idea. Or it was an idea to give 
Anakin and Apprentice. And then I think, I don't know how it works, but then I think I saw that clip and then a clip years later of Rosario Dawson <laughs> dressed as Ahsoka hugging George Lucas. So <laughs> it was it was probably a collaboration, but I think it was George's idea first. And then years later, you see the amalgamation of that character. Speaking of Ahsoka, probably the most important character to come out of Clone Wars is her. Zero the I mean, oh, her. Yeah. Zero the Hut. <laughs> uh, who is, like, whose gender is up to ambiguity? It's, it's, it's a weird you thing. Could, you, you could say that's a positive. It's uh, it good. LGBT representation yeah. for Star Wars. The first LGBT character represented in Star Wars. I mean, they never made it, like, they never spelled it out, but as an adult looking no. back, I'm like, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. yeah. Zero is... I, I don't know what zero is. I thought I thought they were funny when I watched the movie as a kid. It was yeah. like, oh, a hut, a hut with personality. <laughs> zero is the most interesting hut for sure. Yeah, because he Jabba's just angry all the time. <laughs> yeah, zero is like nobody takes them seriously. Yeah, and they're just weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Oh man, uh, but Ahsoka. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but Ahsoka. Ahsoka Tano, yeah. who once again did not get off to the best start for me. No. I thought On she purpose, was... though. I think Anakin Skywalker had it right when she he nicknamed her Snips. Mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, you're just so snippy at everything. You got to question everything all the time and give Anakin a hard time. Just follow some orders and be a good Padawan. And then if you think about it, Anakin was never like that either. So she was perfect for him. Mm-hmm. He's got, he's getting his yeah. worst tendencies thrown right back in his face and has to deal with it. Well, I love the uh, idea of um, Obi Wan believed that Ahsoka was supposed to be uh, uh, learning from him at first, and how that dynamic would have happened. I'd have no idea, but I think given Anakin a pa- uh, Padawan in the midst of the Clone Wars is a very interesting idea because hey, it's wartime. He's technically not a master yet, but we just have we need so many troops and just yeah. we need we need help. <laughs> like it's literally a galaxy at war and uh, it would give the chosen one some uh, some great training for himself. Also, she's very young. Watching the Ahsoka show, you realize just how young she was during the Clone Wars. It puts it I into a she different was perspective. Fourteen for sure. when she was introduced, and then by yeah. the Siege of Mandalore, and she's seventeen or something like that, which is crazy. Yeah, because when you hear Ashley voice her, you don't hear seventeen. <laughs> you hear no. this very strong, like stoic, but also snippy. Te- I just never pictured her as like I knew she was a teenager when she started, but I thought she was a little bit older. She was always more em- emotionally intelligent. Yeah, very her mature char- for her age. Her character design looks young, but she always mm-hmm. yeah. well, she's a she's a soldier. She had to be mature. She was a commander. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of funny that the clone troopers were even younger than her technically, which is I guess why she was a 14-year-old was allowed to come in these grown men. Mm-hmm. It was a whole weird situation all around, but one of the best things about Clone Wars is watching Ahsoka grow from this impatient and snippy young apprentice who she and Anakin and everyone else are like, why the hell are you even here to by the end of the show? 
she's a, a strong, confident commander who doesn't take bullshit from her underlings or the Jedi or her enemies or anybody. She's generally well-respected. Uh, in By the an war. entire legion of clones, yeah. Yeah, it, so much so that they even paint her face on mm-hmm. their helmets, even though she's not a Jedi anymore. Yeah. They'll go into battle with her Which, anytime. is that a court-martial? Anyway. <laughs> Who knows? Probably yeah. not. The and Jedi Council probably like it's the 501st. They do whatever they want all the time. It's fine. <laughs> pretty well. But just getting to see that progression play out is, it's, it's just a great experience in, mm-hmm. in general. Because once again, I, I had no expectations for her going in, but she became so integral to the Star Wars universe by the end of the show. I'm like, when I went in, I, like I said, my first instinct was, why are you adding things in the middle? She was never part of the story. Why, why are you adding this in? And by the end of the Clone Wars, I'm like, how did you never exist before you're just so important to the story I now i don't i don't understand how there was a time without you in star wars how are you not in the prequels how, how is this not a thing you're yeah it's so funny looking back because at the start you're like why are you adding this random character who is not there in the originals and then by the end you realize yes she's an important character for clone wars as a whole just for audiences to draw attention to it but she adds so much weight to the character development of anakin skywalker throughout the clone wars uh even into rebels and yada 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 that that's what makes the show great is that it doesn't take away or doesn't just throw stuff in there it adds to the universe of star wars especially the prequels and it just enriches it that's why people love i honestly believe people love the prequels now because of these shows i don't think it would still have as much respect as it does especially from our generation if it wasn't for the clone wars or rebels the prequels had a lot of great strengths and a lot of very noticeable flaws and a lot of people were willing to write it off entirely but then the clone wars came around and fleshed out this era in such a way that people went back to the prequels and the flaws were all still there, mind you, but they got to see what George was going for and those strengths. And they're like, oh no, there actually was a lot here. The Clone Wars didn't just pull this all out of thin air. All these themes and character threads that they were pulling from were in these movies. And now I can appreciate them more in context now that I've seen the story fleshed out more. It nearly feels like the prequels always should have been a series. The scope was just too mm-hmm. big to tell in three movies yeah. adequately. Oh, yeah. I saw a tweet where it was like, if you could change one thing about the Star Wars uh, film trilogy, what would it be? Or the prequels. And someone said that they would make the prequels six movies, and then the originals would be the final episodes, and then that would be George Lucas's nine movies. And a part of me was like, that's interesting. but also. What other three movies? <laughs> still, you still need a lot more than I'm, three other movies. I'm going to say those three would be set during the Clone Wars, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, you got to make no. A that's whole what show. they were. That's what they were suggesting is that they wanted three extra movies of Clone Wars stuff. Right. I guess the first trilogy could have been like Anakin training Obi Wan mm-hmm. training Anakin, and that got like Phantom Menace and a couple others of Anakin as a young yeah. boy training. And then mm-hmm. Clone Wars trilogy ending with Revenge of the Sith and then the originals. 
Yeah. I mean, Something it's like an that. interesting take. You know, I don't care. I got the show. Look like, but I got seven seasons of a great show. Mm-hmm. And I'm satisfied with that. I, w- I just want to go back to Ahsoka, though, and talk about her ending. Sorry, speaking we of never- Ahsoka, yeah. it was recently Ashley uh, Eccleston. Is that how you pronounce it? Ex- Eccleston. It was recently yeah. her birthday. So happy birthday, Ashley. Anyway. Happy birthday, Ashley. Continue. <laughs> yeah, I just... I don't know if you remember this, but even when she was first introduced, because it's an interquel to Revenge of the Sith and uh, Attack of the Clones... Even when we were kids, it was like, wh- where is she in Revenge yeah. of the Sith? She's got to die, right? Did she get just massacred in Order 66? Or or what? Like, where is she? And I like, I always thought she had mm-hmm. to die. And that's why I always saw her character as a, as a tragic character. Because I knew something awful was going to happen to her. It just seemed foregone. Like, how are yeah. you? There's no way you're going to make it out. If you're living during Revenge of the Sith, I call bull because then you're just retconning the character in and okay. I'm like, she, she had to die. So mm-hmm. cut to <laughs> years later, <laughs> season, season five. I did somehow didn't get this spoiled for me, but cause I, like I said, I watched oh, it a little late. Five? Yeah. Sorry. I always say season four for some reason. It's, it's season five. I don't know why. Yeah, but I just had my heart broken in uh, the final arc of season Ugh. five when the Jedi excommunicator and blame her for the terrorist attack on the temple after mm-hmm. everything she's done throughout the war, and then they sent her on the run, and That's then one of she the comes and then she comes back, and they have the audacity to say, "Oh no, actually, all this, this was, was just your, your final trial. trial, and we're gonna gift you knighthood." I just, not even an apology, uh, not, yeah, just a knighthood. And she's like, uh, excuse me, you just, you called me a terrorist, chased me for my life, forced me to exonerate myself, and now mm. you're pretending like it was all a test the whole time. Uh, actually, no thanks. If this is what the Jedi are, I'm out. Thank you. Yeah, leading up to Ahsoka... Leading up to Ahsoka, I watched that arc, the Catch the Jedi arc, and then the Siege of Mandalore arc. Just, you know, some of the best arcs in the show. And uh, what I was talking about earlier was the, because uh, there was like commercials everywhere for it on the network about the uh, the Catch the Jedi arc. I was like, don't miss this episode of Ahsoka da 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 in the Jedi Council. And that was the one where I watched like premiere date. And as a kid... Watching her walk away and that beautiful score and the beautiful shot. She walks me. off into the sunset. I was just like, how did he do that? Like, like <laughs> as, even thinking about it now, like, how did Filoni just do that? Where he didn't retcon her out of it. He made a masterful story arc to for a reason for her to not be. Because at that time, because the way it works where Clone Wars got canceled because Disney bought the rights to Clone War, uh, to Star Wars. Then they made Rebels. Ahsoka got brought back there years later, but then they were like, hey, people still want to see the end of Clone Wars, so could you do that final season? And then you see what happens during the Rebels. It's a whole mess. Uh, but watching it in order now, it makes sense. Um, but at the time, those like that's that was it for Ahsoka. You were like, oh, she just walks away. And it's such a beautiful moment, I have to talk about it again, where Anakin at, asked for her back it's like we're asking for you back and i'm asking for you back and he begs for her her not to leave this yeah and then there's this beautiful score of just like 
haunting music of like unsubtlety. And then she just simply closes his hand and you're just kind of in shock because as a kid, you just see like, oh, yeah, they'll get back together and then forget about it next week onto the next episode. But here you're just. What the fuck? You're, you're just nothing. And then I think at the time that was the last Clone Wars episode until Netflix put season six on their. Uh, on their stuff. Or I don't know if it was the last episode, but it was one of the last like major arcs. But just a beautiful, well-crafted story about here's this character that you've learned to love throughout the entire series. And then here's another example of the Jedi Council being way too political, being way too caught up in war times and not really making evidence. I mean, let's think about it. (laughs) Let's, Let's sit down and really think about it. You think the person who caused the bombing is actively investigating and trying to figure out who caused the bombing? Come on now. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think they were paying much attention to her. And a lot of people shit on Commander Wolf, who was the head course on guard for arresting her and hunting her down. He was just doing his job. Leave him alone. (laughs) Leave him alone. I just have the dialogue for the ending here. Because I just, I wanted to remind myself what that was. Mm-hmm. So Anakin runs up to Ahsoka. Ahsoka, I need to talk to you. Ahsoka stops, turns to Anakin as he steps in front of her, breathless. Why are you doing this? Ahsoka, the council didn't trust me. Ahsoka crosses her arms and turns aside. So how can I trust myself? Anakin, what about me? I believed in you. I stood by you. Ahsoka turns back to face Anakin. I know you believe in me, Anakin, and I'm grateful for that. But this isn't about you. I can't stay here any longer. Ahsoka turns aside again. Not now. Anakin, the Jedi Order is your life. You can't just throw it away like this. Ahsoka, you're making a mistake. Ahsoka faces Anakin. Maybe, but I have to sort this out on my own. Without the Council, and without you. Ahsoka turns her back on Anakin completely. Anakin sighs. I understand. More than you realize, I understand wanting to walk away from the Order. Ahsoka glances back over her shoulder. I know. And he widens his eyes in surprise, and she walks away. Almost reaches out for her, but stops and stays where he is, simply watching her leave. Ahsoka heads towards the steps, eyes watering. A single tear slips down her cheek. She descends the steps and disappears from view, fade to black. What a downer ending. I know. That's the first time she ever called him Anakin, too. Yeah. Instead I just love the bit where she says, master. I understand wanting to walk away from the order. I know. Mm-hmm. It's a great, yeah. it's like acknowledging his pain for the first time in a way he didn't, I don't think she re- he realized how much she saw him or how isolated he really felt even before that moment. Yeah. One of my closest people in the world to me, like a little sister to me, is walking away from this and I'm mad for her sake, but I'm really more mad that I'm staying. Mm-hmm. Because these, like, the Jedi Council treats me the same way, and I'm just kind of, I'm making excuses for them, and I, I don't even believe in what they're doing. Look at how they treated my apprentice, but, like, who, who am I to be standing up for them now? Like, she's yeah. right, and I should be walking away, too. And that, like, uh, that yeah. to me I is one of the took... best moments to for his arc. It's like, oh, well, no wonder he doesn't trust the Jedi by the time of yeah. Revenge of the Sith. Also, he, uh, I think that was also 
a way of her saying like she knows about him and Padme. Where it's like right. half a fucking Coruscant probably knows about him and Padme. They're not they don't do it very subtly. But uh it's just another way of her just being like I like I know and just accepting it. It's it's a great way to build that connection. Even Obi-Wan acknowledges him and Padme Padme. Padme quite a bit. And their uh relationship is expanded upon uh, Anakin and Padme throughout the show as well. There's even a few adventures with Padme and Ahsoka. They become great friends in uh one in of the Clone most Wars. one of the ones I think people don't talk about enough is that one when Ahsoka and Padme travel to the separatist worlds. Yes. For, for Padme to talk to one of her old friends and that's the arc where Ahsoka learns wait. The separatists aren't just battle droids mm. and trade federation and whoever else like they're actual people who just don't want to be part of the republic anymore and why is the republic fighting a whole war just to keep these people on the same side why don't they just mm-hmm. let them go and save us like save us all this bloodshed what's this war even for and both and padme is like yeah <laughs> yeah that's that's the whole point these are just people at the end mm-hmm. of the day who want us to succeed and they're fighting a whole war for the right to make their own choices. It humanized the entire separatist movement in a way that had never been done before. Wild. It just, it just sucks that the separatist movement is the one with Count Dooku at the head of it. But even they, for his yeah. alleged bad deeds, he's still fighting for the common folk of his worlds. Mm-hmm. And it's obvious to see why they see him as a good leader. And I think it's even mm-hmm. in that arc where they basically they basically say, well, it, Count Dooku is basically, the Republic talks a lot of trash about him, but it's mostly propaganda. They're like, yeah. Well, of, cor- of course they're going to trash the great leader, Count Dooku. But mm-hmm. look, look at what he does for us. He's fighting for our freedom. Yeah, and it's funny with Count Dooku because I always kind of saw him as not a a Sith in a way where he like loved being a Sith where he just used it to his I always saw it as he's using the dark side for just his beliefs and his own personal gain uh just he's not mostly evil. from yeah mostly just from like Christopher uh Christopher Lee's performance from Attack of the Clones where he wants Obi-Wan to join him because he sees what the council has done he knows the hypocrisy of them and he was Qui-Gon's master and he wants through like sort of a pseudo relationship with Obi-Wan to sort of save him from that hypocrisy as well. Um, but in the clone wars, he's straight up a fucking, (laughs) he's like, he's kind of a psychopath in some episodes, but, uh, he's still very, he's, but he doesn't differ, um, that much from, uh, the live action performance. I think he's, Still just as calculating and manipulative as he is in live action, but he you see more of his dark side tendencies. But what I like about Dooku is that he's pretty surface level. Mm-hmm. Palpatine's got, oh, he's got his chancellor face, and then he's got his, I am the master of the Sith face. <laughs> but Dooku is like, yeah, I got my ominous castle, and I do yeah. some dark side stuff, like little genocide here and there, you know, it's all right. Yeah, you know. But just... like... 
to the public, he's still the same guy. He doesn't wear a mm-hmm. mask. He doesn't even have yellow eyes. He doesn't have a Sith face. It's just, okay, here's my politician face. And in private, I'm still that same guy. I'm just doing darker political things mm-hmm. like assassinations, paying people off, trying to, you know, Sith agenda with the force and yeah. whatnot. But he's still the same guy. It's just a little more to him behind closed doors. But that's all politicians. Yeah. So it, he's pretty realistic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's kind of, he sees all those like the like the the faux pas of the Jedi, like all like, oh, you shouldn't use, you know, slave traders and uh, spice runners, bounty hunters, like all those people you should stay away from because, you know, they morally they're like terrible but Dooku sees them as a strength because they have so much power and hey who's gonna help me rise against people who are trying to spread their way of living throughout the entire galaxy that I don't agree with probably the second most people uh powerful people out there criminals uh <laughs> yeah. so and throughout the um even the tales of the Jedi shorts you really see um we talked about it on an early episode of Close Up. Go watch it. Yeah. Uh, you see why Count Dooku turned away from the council. And Dave Filoni is trying to do this thing where I think George Lucas did too, where he's trying to make us all hate the Jedi Council and the prequels. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just trying to show us the hypocrisy of them. And it's working. It's, it's working a lot of the time. Yeah, for sure. Just in prep for this uh, episode, I was being reminded of a lot of moments from the show about those kind mm-hmm. of things and one of the ones i read about was when i think they had cad bane in custody and Ma- and i think it was anakin obi-wan and mace windu basically yeah they tortured like they mind tortured him with the force until he mm-hmm. it's a great uh, scene until he spoke and ahsoka's just looking at them like what the hell like we're the good guys right mm-hmm. or what they did to ahsoka at the end of the show as well, or what they did to Anakin when they made him believe that Obi-Wan had died, when they were really just sending him off on a covert mission. Like, they play mind games and torture and send 14-year-olds into battle as, yeah, like, on the front lines. They're, they're pretty mm-hmm. sketchy, too. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know, also the classic Mace Windu, we're keepers of the peace, not soldiers proceeds to fight on the front lines of an intergalactic war and get involved in yeah. all the politics. Who also in canon uses dark side powers, but like for force of good, that's why his lightsaber is purple. But they outside had, of canon, yeah. it's because Samuel L. Jackson wanted a purple lightsaber and George Lucas said, okay. <laughs> yeah, he's got that ability where he basically channels the dark energies of the people he's fighting back at yeah. them, which has the ability to corrupt lesser mm-hmm. souls, but... And to be fair, both reasons for the purple lightsaber are awesome. So, yeah, yeah. There's, I just lo- a- I loved watching. It was an interview with Samuel L. Jackson. I was like, well, I wanted to be able to see me in the crowd. So I was like, what if I was a purple lightsaber? It's like, well, and then George was like, well, they're either blue or green. And then Samuel L. Jackson's like, well, I want a purple. <laughs> I just want purple. He's like, okay. Oh, <laughs> uh, they're a rare crystal. Uh. Uh, yeah. well, I, I think he told him too was like I made an announcement it's already causing a shitstorm online and it was just <laughs> him holding a purple lightsaber <laughs> that's great but it works it works well 
with Mace. It's just, it's iconic. It's him and his purple lightsaber. It's still, Sam Jackson wanted to stand out from the crowd. He still does. Mm -hmm. Not many people have a purple lightsaber. I think he's still the only one in live action. Yeah, and I think in terms of the, like, merchandise, because he never ignited his lightsaber in Phantom Menace, so when they made his action action figure, they just gave him a blue lightsaber. Right. It's very rare, and I think it might be worth something, but it probably isn't. (laughs) See, I knew you were going to say blue, because I feel like I've seen that picture, too. Yeah. Mace Windu is pretty good on this show. He doesn't get a lot to do, but... Voiced by the same guy who originally played Kratos. In the God of War trilogy. Yeah. I just remember him. The one, the two arcs of Mace Windu's I remember specifically were the Siege of Ryloth when he's got to get over the bridge. I think that's the end of uh, Mm -hmm. season one. And that one where he teams up with Jar Jar the whole time. Terrence C. Carson. Sorry. I had to get the voice actor's name. For two episodes? Yeah. He teams up with Jar Jar quite a bit. I thought those ones were so funny, though, because I'm like the most no-nonsense person in Star Wars versus the most nonsense person in Star Wars. Yeah. So fun. I think it's only like two arcs it's that two they episodes. team up with. I think it's just yeah. two episodes. It's hilarious. But they're memorable. Mm-hmm. I remember I, when I was doing a rewatch, I think a couple of years ago, I skipped a Jar Jar Binks arc, and then that arc is when Mace Window fought <laughs> the Night Sister Mother. So I was like, oh, I miss a fucking <laughs> crazy battle. <laughs> you know what? That's one of my favorite things about the Clone Wars is that this show got weird. This is the show Mace Windu could team up with Jar Jar and fight witches. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, and they all, introduce witches. Yeah, they have witches and all this force magic stuff. And this is also the show with, like, the father, the son, and the daughter and, like, these manifestations mm-hmm. of the force itself, which Anakin has to bring balance to and in this weird parallel reality there's probably more I'm forgetting, but the show got strange and it was great. They allowed the star Wars universe to go to places. The movies wouldn't dare touch with a 10 foot pole. Mm It is just general audiences can't handle that kind of weirdness. There was all this pseudoscience and fantasy stuff. Like one of the first arcs was the malevolence, like the giant EMP grenade. It was just, that could just take out all the ships. Mm -hmm. That was awesome. What other technologies were were there? Um, I feel like they had like to the take zombie up. worms, but they weren't like. Oh yeah, the zombie worms from Geonosis. Yeah, yeah, where they went into like full horror, and mm-hmm. I saw this one comment: the virus outbreak on a Naboo. Oh yeah, when they were in the uh, when they were making yeah. the biological super weapon, and they had to. Mm-hmm. You know, after coming out of the pandemic, and then watching sources of media before the pandemic talking about like bioweapons and how fast they like infect people and how unprepared people are now i go accurate <laughs> like i just finished a the a spider-man playthrough the 2018 version and then the yeah. devil's breath is the bioweapon yeah it yeah. should have infected way more than new york <laughs> it would have got out quicker it would have <laughs> yeah and somehow Spider-Man's immune? immune? I don't know. They never explain that, but he's a superhero, so. But yeah, I just saw this one random comment, and I had to copy-paste it, because it made a good point about the diversity of genres in this series. Mm-hmm. They said, you want romance, action, mystery, drama, crime-solving, fantasies, and fighting giant monsters? Mm-hmm. It's all, all that's in the Clone Wars. Yeah. 
It's a oh, yeah, little def- bit of everything for everybody. There's even an animal's rights arc. I forgot about that. The Zillow with Beast. the giant. Yeah, yeah, I forgot. That was yeah, sad. who's got a? That was very sad because it was like the last of his kind, and the reason they were the chancellor wanted him dead is because he had his the skin on or the unbreakable armor. Were, yeah, unbreakable armor that could stop blasters, but also lightsabers. So it was unstoppable armor, and it just rampaged mm-hmm. through Coruscant until they had yeah. to put it down. Mm-hmm. Then, uh, never saw that armor, but <laughs> it, it did come back in the Bad Batch. Oh, it did. Oh, Bad Batch season two follows that Batch. up. Finally, okay, cool. Never mind. I retract my statement. <laughs> it only took them like fifteen years to follow it up, but they did. Good, good, good. That's yeah. One of there's the most... a lot of great arcs. Oh yeah. What's an, the other one they didn't really uh, follow up on? Was that one when Cad Bane was capturing the children? The four sensitive children. Well, and they had. I know they rescue the children, but then they just stop. He yeah, just but we stops never hunting children. <laughs> we never figured out what it was for. Yeah, because they brought. Ugh, it's so weird because they bring. He brings the children to Mustafar. Yeah, which is kind of like a foreshadowing, but yeah. then they just never investigate Mustafar. It was one of those early season episodes, you know, season two. Cool idea. That's also the uh, the arc that introduced Cad Bane, I believe. Yeah. It was um, one of the most... I think so. His well, very first introduction was the end of season one, where he... Uh, bom- he where he, like, captured oh, he all the Zero senators. The that as well. Yes. Oh, yes, because it, it was the... That was both. Oh, that was the no, distraction. The distraction was the, the senators, senators to free Zero then, the Hut. Yeah. yeah. That's what that Cad was. Cad Bane's great. Oh, for sure. I just... I love the season two, though, when he... It's like, who's this badass who broke into the into the Jedi Temple, mm-hmm. stole their archives, and got out undetected? Badass. Yeah. Great introduction character. And then also, the, the rivalries in this show are sublime. I mean, you got Anakin versus Dooku. Obi-Wan versus Ventress. Oh, um, Obi-Wan versus Grievous. Anakin and Ventress had more of a... Anakin and Ventress. Rival. Are you sure? I feel like Ventress and Obi-Wan flirted a lot. <laughs> uh, maybe. I just think, I think Anakin and Ventress had more of a I think thing. all three of them, yeah. All three yeah. of them had. I just know in the movie, and then it was Dooku, Obi-Wan and Ventress. Dooku and Obi-Wan, he always got his ass kicked to Obi-Wan. I mean, Dooku always yeah. kicked Obi-Wan's ass every time. Uh, yeah. Obi-Wan and Grievous. Uh, love how we never saw Anakin versus Grievous, though, just to keep I that. I know, they had to make that line. canon. <laughs> uh, that they never met before in Revenge of the Sith, and then they had Even to, in the micro-series, they never met. No, so they had to go seven whole seasons in the Clone Wars without Anakin or Grievous ever interacting. There was one time they were so close, though. I think they were on the same planet, but then Grievous ran away before Anakin showed up. And I think Obi-Wan was like, I'll go after him. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. insane poor Dave Filoni it's like fuck how cool would it be if Anakin fought Grievous but he can't because <laughs> he was because he respects the canon even Ahsoka fought Grievous like in one of the earlier episodes oh yeah because they well she was still a really young then but he he was like yeah hunt, like he was hunting her mm-hmm. I remember that one that was the one when they had uh, uh Kid Fisto R5 or no it was like R3. Oh, the evil droid? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah it yeah. was like 
like R2 went missing in space and the Separatists found him and then uh, Grievous, he was a Separatist spy. Yeah. And Ahsoka, like, and but like, Ahsoka liked him more than R2 and Anakin was like, what the hell are you like this upgraded droid better than R2? It's bull. I want no. my old toy back. I don't like this new toy. It's like, but it works <laughs> so much better. R2 is a hunk of junk. No. <laughs> the council's like, you need to let go of your feelings. No. <laughs> I want my droid. Oh my and, then they, and then they admitted, um, oh yeah, other thing is that R2 had like all the Republic's battle plans in his yeah. brain. <laughs> <laughs> and then they cared. <laughs> I forgot about that. Why do you care so much about this droid? Well, he's great in battle because he has all of our plans. <laughs> They're just what? in his brain. <laughs> Find it. What the? Oh, God. That's so funny. <laughs> I just realized that. That went over my head as a kid. <laughs> then they freak out about it. Uh, oh. But that also reminds me of my least favorite arc in the Clone Wars by a wide margin. Uh, was that one where oh. R2 and 3PO had to go get a cake topping for Padme's party? And then Cad Bane captures I think them? I skipped that one. Uh, it's the worst. I don't like anything with R2 and 3PO. I I thought you were going to say the five episode arc with like the five droids and the little D-squad. green dude. Yeah. I don't care about that one. <laughs> yeah. Although it gave us Gregor. That's true. Commando. Yeah. That's my brother's favorite clone. And just because of that one arc. He didn't yeah. come back till Rebels. Yeah, he's a psychopath in Rebels. <laughs> but it was still kick-ass, though, the way he sacrificed himself for D-Squad. Mm-hmm. And until Rebels, that was it. It was like, oh, man, this Gregor guy, we came to love him in just a few episodes, and yeah. then he sacrificed himself. Man. I wish we got more commandos. Like, Gregor was awesome, and then they made, like, a small cameo at the beginning of one episode. But, but just every time, awesome. every time Clone died, it was nuts. It was like Gregor sacrificed yeah. himself in that. We had uh, who was the ninety nine, ninety nine in the in the Domino Squad arc. Heavy in rookies. Heavy when he died. Um, who was Echo died in the in the Citadel arc the first time. <laughs> uh, fives, fives was the big one. Fives when he uh, found out about the chip in his brain and got hunted down. That was cr- mm-hmm. and everyone just thought he was nuts and a rogue clone. That was tragic too. Like oh, yeah, he was just f- and he was going crazy because nobody was believing him and it was like a huge plot. And there was just so much. Him. <laughs> <laughs> I believe you. I love that moment too, where you don't really see the full interaction between them, and then. You- you enter through into the room with uh, uh, Obi Wan and Anakin, and you just see Fives pointing a gun <laughs> like That's at Palpatine. Yeah, and they're like, "Whoa, <laughs> what are we supposed to think? You yeah, think that he's think? evil, and all the clones <laughs> have chips in their brains that'll go off at a yeah. moment's notice and kill us all? Yeah, right, Fives. Doesn't that mm. episode start with a with a like a random clone just murdering a Jedi by accident? Yeah. Um, well, that's that's what was funny. It was in the before Clone Wars got canceled. There was a promotion for season six, and that was a huge promotion for it. Was uh, that clone killing that Jedi like right off the bat, and then yeah. it got canceled. But then uh, that was pretty crazy. Oh, yeah, and then what about? I don't remember if it was Waxer or Boyle, but in the 
Darkness on Ambara arc when all the clones get yeah. sent against each other in the in the like stop we're they're clones. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of them got killed in that friendly fire just to show the stakes. I think oh, it was shit. Waxer. Yeah. Wax yeah. and Boyle were the two clones in the third, the, 300 and... They and were Obi, in Obi-Wan's 2, uh, Legion. I think it's the 212. 212. Yeah, yeah, 212. With, yeah. Under Cody. And yeah, they adopted a Twi'lek. <laughs> yeah, those guys. Yeah, they got killed. On, one of them got killed on Darkness and Amara just to show how brutal mm-hmm. that was. Like, man, he turned clones against clones. This guy is evil. Such a fucked episode. Such a fucked arc. But Krell's kind of cool. <laughs> he's got two double yeah. blade lightsabers because he's got four arms. Just I love that arc because Captain Rex is one of the most loyal guys in all of Star mm-hmm. Wars, and that arc made him debate mutiny. Yeah, it's like oh, it's re- yeah. It goes to show: do we have to mutiny against our leaders? Mm-hmm. Like I know we're just you know on paper we're cannon fodder for the Republic, and they can make more of us. But we've been treated with respect enough these last few years. That we feel yeah. like individuals, and as individuals who, you know, like our lives, we're not fighting for you. Mm-hmm. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. I can't forget about Jesse. I just remember the guy with the giant Republic tattoo. Oh. <laughs> like, on his head. He loves his government so much mm. that he put a tattoo of it on his face. I gotta say, the D. Bradley Baker carried the show. Oh my gosh. I mean, like, everybody's great. The voice acting across the board on this show is amazing. But D. Bradley, mm-hmm. without him, there's no show. Yeah. He voiced every single clone. It's ridiculous. Insane. And made them and all distinct characters. And he put inflections, characters. yeah, on all of them. One of my favorites is watching The Bad Batch, and it's just so-and-so, 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 and D. Bradley Baker as The Bad Batch. <laughs> yeah, I need to watch season two. I'm just, I'm going through Rebels right now. Um, I'm behind as well. I've seen half of it. Yeah. One of my favorite just kind of standalone episodes is when uh, Rex and Cody are trying to uh, figure out who amongst the clones, it's an early season one episode, who uh, betrayed the league. Because I think something blows up. Or someone gave away their plans. Yeah, there was sabotage. And they're trying to find the traitor. And, and they're, they're like, like could, or a, could clones. a clone even? We don't. Yeah, yeah. We could don't a clone even be a traitor? Mm-hmm. That was. A and weird there's another. One. There's another great uh, couple episode arc where Rex becomes a farmer. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, <laughs> he when gets you, injured when and then the he deserter. gets taken care. Yeah, the deserter one. And there's like, that. Oh, and a clone who a, deserted, and he's and Rex is like, oh, I gotta turn you in. What's this? Yeah, and he's got his own family, and then Rex is like, I guess I won't turn you in. It's like, oh, yeah. thanks. Can you come help fix my house? Because it got fucked up by commander droids. No, I have to leave. Okay. <laughs> Take care yeah. of yourself. And then there's questions about, you know, different races, different aliens, you know, procreating, creating children. How does that work? But who cares? It's Star Wars. <laughs> I think I heard that the clones are sterile and that those weren't his biological kids. Oh. They're just kind of yeah. his adopted It makes sense kids. to have a mass army be sterile. I'd probably yeah, do that, too. You can't have just, all those guys out there. Yeah, you know, that, just... With that DNA? One less thing to worry about. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And also, no distractions. Um, to put it in simpler terms. Yeah. But uh, if we're talking about voice acting, oh, we gotta of, talk about uh, Matt Lanter and James Arnold Taylor, respectfully. You got, the pic- you got the picture? 
I have the picture. We had the chance to meet all three, uh, but the Ahsoka line was way too long. And then Matt Lanter's line was kind of short, but we were also seen Hayden Christensen. So we um, went to see James my... Arnold Taylor. Mm-hmm. And he talked to us in the Obi-Wan voice, which was, was really great. cool. He said, may the force be with you and stay on the light mm-hmm. side. And, you know, hit, Ryan dressed as Red Hood, a clear anti-hero was like. <laughs> I said I was trying. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I didn't want to disappoint Obi-Wan. Yeah. I love Obi-Wan in this show because there was a comp. Not only is it because he's so much fun to play. But just how James Arnold Taylor emits Ewan McGregor and Alec Guinness into his performance, just yeah, enriching the character. I mean, there's a freaking 20-minute compilation of Obi-Wan Kenobi, the king of sass on YouTube. Just like, he's the most sassy Jedi ever, but the most skill, one of the most skilled duelists out there. His season one to three or four outfit is probably one of the most iconic ones I've ever seen yeah. where he's in like half clone armor. Excuse me. And he's even later on where he's still got the bracers. I love yeah. it. I've seen cosplays of it and it's, mwah, it's beautiful. Um, and yeah, he should, he's great. And his relationship with Sabine a is so tragic. It's, oh my God. <laughs> Sabine's a it's little a young for him. That's weird. My bad. Uh, Satine. Um, it deepens the character the a lot for him to have this backstory. She's the queen? Duchess. Duchess. Well, which is basically queen. Yeah, it's a different title. Whatever. I just like the idea that he admitted that he would have left the order for her at a, mm-hmm. at a certain point yeah. when he was a Padawan. But it's just kind of this tragic romance that could never be because Obi-Wan follows the rules and Jedi can't Obi-Wan have attachments. Obi-Wan so is the Jedi the Council wants Anakin to be. But he's just—he's too emotionally attached to, yeah. Uh, to—he's just too emotionally uh, attached to basically anything. I mean, Anakin yeah. grew up a, a slave, and is very attached to his mother. Couldn't save his mother from um, from slavery, and so the felt of loss is stuck with him so much. Where Obi Wan, I think he—he he never knew his parents. Yeah. He just kind of grew up with the order. So he's basically the poster boy of the Jedi. I mean, he's he's kind of a goody two shoes in a way, but also. But that's why I love his whole relationship with Satine is because it proved that he once had temptation. He wasn't just mm-hmm. blindly following the Jedi his whole life. Yeah. He did. He like Anakin had a potential out, and he would have been just as happy with her as being a Jedi. But he decided to follow his code, and stay on the path he was on because that's what he believed mm-hmm. to be right. He thought he could do more good with the Jedi than, uh, than with Satine. He, he took a higher purpose over his own selfishness. And that to me makes Obi-Wan uh, an even better character because yeah. he wasn't just the goody two shoes all his life. And it's whenever just, they're on screen together, it's great. And they're both definitely Corky's parents. <laughs> it's that yeah. fan theory of like, Satine's nephew bears a striking resemblance to Obi-Wan, and it's a huge fan theory, and I'm on board. <laughs> I'm, I'm on board with it. You know what? I'm okay with it, too. <laughs> if not, it's fine. It, 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 he's literally in one arc, so it doesn't matter. But They're not going to confirm it, but that's okay. Yeah. But I just love the, the romantic tension between them was crazy the entire show. Mm-hmm. Just yeah. their, 
their dialogue was really good. Their their back and forth, like even in a cartoon, you can feel the the sexual tension the between those yeah. two. And they they always cut to a shot of Anakin's reaction, like, huh, <laughs> master. I'll do with this, Obi Wan. You go find your girlfriend, right? No, Anakin, <laughs> it's not my girlfriend. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so good. It's just insane chemistry in uh, an animation also, show. It also reminds me of a, a scene at the end of, I believe it was the the first arc on Mandalore, when there was the bad guy that they were chasing throughout the ship and Obi-Wan and Satine were, were chasing him. Yeah. And he's like, you can't kill me. You'll be clearly the bad guys if you kill me. <laughs> and, and Obi-Wan clearly wants to kill him and Satine's yeah. like, don't, don't do it. And then Anakin just runs him through <laughs> and they stare at him. What? He's going to blow up the ship. Yeah. And Obi-Wan's like, Anakin. <laughs> he's going to blow up the ship. What I love about that scene, looking back on it, it's like when Anakin pops up, it's like whimsical music, yeah. even though he just committed murder. <laughs> like, <laughs> but later on, when he kind of does the same thing in season seven, you hear like a little bit of the dark side music or the Darth Vader music. But I just love how that at the beginning, it's like, da 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 da. You're like, oh, yeah. okay. The scene communicated okay. so much. Like, Obi-Wan's still mm-hmm. trying to follow his code. Satine wants to be a pacifist, and Anakin just gets the job done by any means necessary. Yeah. He doesn't care. God, it's a lot Satine of good was ever, If Satine was ever in live action, I could see Kate Blanchett playing her perfectly. I can see that. Yeah. That you say that aloud. But she will never be in live action because of she did. reasons. Oh, okay. <laughs> Murdered. Yeah, that was sad. Murdered by who? <gasps> a character coming back who we never thought would come back. Darth Maul. What? He's back. I don't know One how of the selling show... points for season four. I don't know how this show pulled off Maul's return so convincingly. That's another one where I'm like, what do you That's mean how... you're going to bring? What do you mean you're going to bring back Darth Maul? That's stupid. He died. <laughs> Obi Wan yeah. killed him. I saw him. Ha- he was cut in half and fell down a a, a grape. On Naboo. Mm-hmm. And then they're like, oh, he literally got thrown in the trash and went crazy. Like, oh, yeah, I'm into this. And then he got revived by witches. I'm like, yeah, yeah I love it. I'll take it. I mean, I mean, the way they do it, too, is actually very smart because they bring in this new character called uh, Savage Opress. And the way they bring him in isn't to initially find Darth Maul. It's Ventress, who we have to talk about, who was actually from the micro series, but Dave Filoni liked her so much that they made her canon. Yeah. Uh, or maybe George, whatever, both of them. Let's just say both of them. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. Ventress got betrayed by Count Dooku, so she goes to Dathomir because she has no other allies. That's where she's from. And she tries to find her own apprentice. And through trials and all that, they find the uh, Dathomiring um, brothers. And... Out comes Savage Press, um, voiced by Clancy Brown. Sorry, you have your powers, I have mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, he becomes this beast of <laughs> just an absolute unit of a powerhouse. And the way they do it is they trick... So Dooku needs a new apprentice, goes to the Daphne Witches, and then he gets Savage Press through trials, but secretly he is working for uh, Ventress. And um, all to all to uh, accumulate in the eventual assassination of Dooku. Spoiler alert, doesn't go well. Dooku's and pretty he, good at 
fighting. <laughs> and he commits genocide in retaliation, wipes out yeah. the Night Sisters. So then uh, Savage goes back to Dathomir and is like, Mother, I need, I, I'm too weak. Ventures betrayed me. Uh, Dooku betrayed me. What do I do? And then instead of the mother being like, hey, Ventures betrayed you, that's sad. <laughs> she plays like both sides, which is great, which is love about the mother. She's like, go find your lost brother, Maul. And you're like, huh? What do you mean? And then there, then that arc starts. And then uh, when they bring him back, they find him with spider legs, which is interesting. And he's quoting the the Sith code, which is in canon now, which is great. Yeah. Um. And when they bring him back, and he's back to his almost basically full potential, back to his sanity, he is beautifully played by the Sam Witwer, just one of the biggest Star Wars fans who works in star wars is uh just plays him with this absolute scary gravitas that i don't know if darth maul deserved it <laughs> look the thing about darth maul you got to remember is that when i think of darth maul now i think of sam Witwer's take mm -hmm. and this version of him from clone wars and then later rebels ray park was a great acrobat and he brought this fantastic physicality to Maul. There was a, a menace to him, a phantom menace, if you will. But uh -huh. he didn't really have the character behind him. He was just this mm -hmm. cool assassin. And that was it. And then he died. But this Maul is a, is a brilliant strategist and a thinker and somebody who Sidious uh, tortured for years until he became this this killing machine, but he's very, uh, he's bitter about having to follow orders all these years. And now he's like, no, I think I like with between me and you brother, I think we can, we can do something special. So he starts forming a criminal empire of his own and planning to kill Sidious out of revenge. Not cause he like, he doesn't really care about what Sidious is doing anymore. He's just like, no, I want to, I want revenge on you. I don't like you have other apprentices now. Yeah. That sucks. I feel betrayed. But that culminates. Well, first he goes in... after Obi Wan. Well, all of that too. Up. I want revenge on Sidious. I want revenge on Obi Wan. So he yeah. just becomes this rogue element to the show. Like the war is in full steam, and the show makes clear that the war is clearly getting worse for both sides. Mm -hmm. Separatists and Republic are both being exhausted. The Republic even more so, though, because they're losing clones faster than they can make them. They're like, they're getting child clones at this point because all the yeah. experienced guys are dying off and they can just keep making battle like the republic's also going bankrupt they describe as well because yes. they they keep having to pay the Kaminoans to make more of an army things are going very bad the jedi are getting wiped out too they're just on the precipice of losing of starting to lose the war and then this rogue agent comes in Mm -hmm. with his brother and it's like oh how can things get any worse <laughs> yeah it's it's insane how they introduced Darth Maul but he's such a powerhouse too of just pure evil that I love where I miss the days where villains were just straight up villains and yeah. Maul is one of those people and his very first <laughs> like crimes slaughter of the innocent <laughs> to get Obi-Wan's attention. Um, every fight scene he's in with against uh, Obi-Wan is, 
is just, it's so well choreographed. We haven't really talked about that, but the fight scenes in the show are so well done for oh, yeah. animation. Even They're so before, fluid. Yeah, it's insane how well choreographed they are. Even probably the best one is probably uh, uh, Ahsoka, Ahsoka versus Maul, which was mo-capped with Ray Park. And you can but tell. But the rest of the show is not, which yeah. is insane. Well, the reason the mocap one looks so good compared to all the others is because it's you can fluid. feel <laughs> the other ones are too fluid. No, the seizure man, like it's too smooth. It's like, it's so well, human. It's not just that it's the weight to it. Like the way yeah. the characters are like the other fights in this show, characters can just kind of bounce around weightlessly mm-hmm. and like, Oh, they have these superpowers. They can do backflips mid fight and it gets crazy. But the Ahsoka versus Maul is like, oh, your feet are firmly planted to the floor like two human beings in a sword fight. The way they're moving around doesn't feel like cartoon characters. Mm-hmm. It's lifelike in a way that the Clone Wars never had been. Not that that's a detracting statement for any of the other fights because they're all awesome in their own way, but it is more cartoony. Yeah, but you're also doing these fights only the cartoons could do. It's like if you want to see Jedi at their peak, the movies can only show you so much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean that's why good. animation is the best because you can do fucking anything in it as yeah. long as you got money, which Disney has. <laughs> so which Lucasfilm well, had? Lucasfilm has. Yeah, Lucasfilm had it then. I think this show was one mm-hmm. of the best looking shows ever, probably. I think, yeah, some of the animation... What Okay, what I always said about this show is that you can feel how you want about the character models, but the backgrounds and... Oh, yes. All, and the ship designs, and, like, if you're just looking at anything but the characters, it's nearly photorealistic. It's as good as mm-hmm. any of the CGI in the movies, except for when they're trying to clearly stylize it to look more cartoony. But if you just yeah. take any of the characters out, and, and like, I think of... Well, I got no specific examples, to be honest, but it's just really well done animation. Mm-hmm. Um, it's beautiful. And it's it's yeah. smooth. It, it looks good. It's detailed. And they only got better as time went on. Season seven Clone Wars is like, oh, well, these guys are masters of their craft. Now. It's refined. Yeah. Yeah. And it's still unique. I never seen mm-hmm. besides other Dave Filoni Star Wars shows. I've never seen. A style exactly like this even other 3d tv shows cartoons basically ape this style directly 3d animation on tv yeah. is not a thing it was seen as too expensive and impractical and just why would you do that it, the technology's not there yet but lucasfilm being as they are their boundary pushers mm-hmm. they prove that it could be done and let's do a cartoon nobody's ever seen before that's why the gendy tartakovsky 2d series was fantastic because i think we talked about this before but that series at the time was one of the most stylistically interesting on television at the time we're like gendy tartakovsky was making some of the most beautiful cartoons you could make on tv in the early 2000s but this 3d series was something that had never been tried before they they yeah. were really doing something new with this. And they had some kinks to iron out. It didn't look fantastic the first couple of years or in that movie. But they kept working at it. And the potential was always there. And you, you could tell that. I was put off by it. 
originally, as I mentioned. But I'm glad they stuck with it because it looks fantastic where they're at today. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I love it. And it's so insane to see when Clone Wars initially got canceled and then when it got brought back for seventh season, how much they enhanced their animation style. Yeah. Well, we should talk about it. I never got (laughs) on this rant on air before, I think. But so the show was canceled in season five. Go off. Yeah. The show was canceled in season five. And then Netflix was like, hey, the show was canceled and it never got to finish. So, you know, how about we release a season six? And it's not going to be anything crazy. It's just going to be a couple extra arcs. Oh, uh, five's going crazy. I don't even remember the the middle ones right now. But the ending was like Yoda going with the wills off to discover the force and like uh, on a spiritual journey with Qui-Gon going to be force ghosts. That's another one of those really weird ones that I forgot to mention earlier. Mm-hmm. And that was supposed to be it. That was the grand finale. Yoda discovering how to be a force ghost with the spirit of Qui-Gon. And that was a good finale. Uh, and they may have even done more if Disney hadn't bought Lucasfilm and canceled the show. And that's not even what gets... Like, that got me angry at the time, especially because they replaced it with Rebels, which I didn't even watch at the time. I'm like, eh, it doesn't look targeted towards me. And I didn't watch that one for years after the fact. But no, what really, really pissed me off was when the marketing for season seven started. And the marketing was along the lines of the show gets to come back now for the ending it always deserved. And I'm like, you bastards, you canceled it. Don't act like you're heroes for bringing it back. (laughs) How could you? (sighs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm like yeah. that is like that's nearly a blatant lie. You're trying mm-hmm. to gaslight us into thinking we shouldn't like we should be happy you brought it back when you're the guys who canceled it in the first place. I can't they also canceled that. all the legend stuff as well. But uh, well, that hey. that too. <laughs> I understand that a little more yeah. just because it was so detailed, and they're like, if we're trying to mm-hmm. work within legends. We'll never be able to do anything. I understand that more now than I did 10 years ago. Still stung. Mm -hmm. I mean, a part of me want, uh, I have to give like a little credit to them because they didn't have to bring it back. They never had to, but I think there was just so much of fan outcry and just, I don't know if there was petition signed or anything, but there was just so many people like, Hey, can we get an actual ending to the clone wars? Wait, when did this makeshift arc? When did season seven come out? Do you remember what year that came out? Was it 2020? 2020 or 2019, I think. That tracks. Okay, yeah. so let me so let me paint a picture for you. They cancel the show. Episode 7 comes out. They're riding high. Rogue One comes out. They're still doing great. Last Jedi comes out. Whoa-oh, people are pissed. <laughs> 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 Uh, Solo tanks at the box office. Oh, crap. What do we do? Uh, Let's bring the Clone Wars back. I think everyone can agree on that. Right? We get Dave Filoni back. We get the... Like, he's already making The Mandalorian. That did okay. Somehow. Uh, Let's bring Season 7 back. Mm -hmm. Just to get people back on our side again. It worked. And let's let's do the marketing so that they think we weren't the bad guys to begin with. We're the heroes. 
Um, oh my god. That's my interpretation of what I think happened in the Disney boardrooms around that time. Before that, they didn't bring it back for no reason. They brought it back because the franchise was floundering hard, and they were losing Ron, (laughs) and they were losing people's goodwill. So they needed something to to bring us back. Just so happens, season seven is one of the best runs of episodes they ever did. The Siege of Mandalore Mm -hmm. is one of the all-time greats. I don't know how they pulled that off. Like this show had me, and I think the final episode. Of um, of season seven came out on May the fourth. Oh, really? Think that's beautiful. From what I remember, and also the same time they added like free um, like add-ons to uh Jedi Fallen Order, which was nice. It's probably the most content we've gone out of May the fourth in the last couple years. But (laughs) wow, um, yeah, I think they did something where they, because I pretty sure Mandalorian was coming out. Out around the same time or something. Mandalorian there was came scheduling out conflicts. Like season two, I think. Oh, okay. No, season two was in October. Something else was coming out. Maybe it was like a Marvel show or something. Um, no, that doesn't make sense. I I don't know. There was some scheduling yeah. thing, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm. I don't. Know. It's, it doesn't matter now. But I just remember May fourth coming out, or the the day happening, and then watching. Uh, the final episode on my phone, and then crying. <laughs> That's all I remember. <laughs> when Rex um, turned, about when Rex arc. turned and and tried to kill Ahsoka, I'm like ah, oh, I know you're not gonna die in this because I've seen you in Rebels. Whenever, yeah, but whenever still, they do Order sixty six, oh, it's it's always a tough watch. I think we just have so much trauma as people who grew up from it. With it, just hearing yeah. the music from it, and then seeing the clones betray, and then. The added bonus of knowing that arc from season six, which I think I remember, if I remember correctly, all the arcs were finished from season six, and the Yoda arc was in the middle of the works, and then it got canceled. And then Netflix was like, well, we'll pay you to finish it, and then release all of it. Yeah. And then I think that's what happened. I don't Um, think they did all of them, they just did like half of them. Yeah, there's only, only like 13 did, episodes or something. They only did the first half of the season they were yeah. going to do. Because mm-hmm. they're usually like 20 episodes or something like that, 24. Yeah. And season 6 time. is only 13, I think. Yes, and season 7 is 12, but that's just of the yeah. times. People don't want longer seasons, and they gave four of those episodes to, to the two twins that we don't care about. Anyway, I'm still mad about that. There's a deleted scene that they produced of Anakin and Obi-Wan talking about Ahsoka, and it's a great scene, but I don't know what their arc would have been like. My favorite part of that arc is the, is the episode when they escaped from their oh prison God. cell and basically just ran around the bad guys complex for half an hour and then ended up back in the prison cell at the end of the episode. <laughs> but hey, character was, development. Was there though? I didn't. I didn't like what literally oh was the God. point of this episode? You ended. And that's back when they were. That's when they were releasing weekly. So you're just like, yeah. What am I watching? <laughs> Can we just get to the finale? Which was badass. Can we get her to hold in lightsabers that I saw in the trailer, please? (laughs) Another scene that broke my heart in the finale was when they did that flash forward to the Republic cruiser being snowed over and then Uh, a newly newly Chris Invader finds Ahsoka's lightsabers at the crash site. For that brief moment, Vader is in Clone Wars. The animation version of him is... They did such a good job. That was a beautiful ending, I think, because it was 
this whole thing is the context between Attack of the Clones up to the end of Revenge of the Sith. And I just, I love how the mm-hmm. whole arc, it, it was unexpected in that it actually bled into Revenge of the Sith. They're yeah. like, you, you care about characters like Rex and Ahsoka so much. What were they doing? Like Rex, Ahsoka, and Maul, what were they all doing during Revenge of the Sith? Which was a fantastic call. Like, we know what's happening during the movie. I love how they even call back to stuff in the movie just to sell you mm-hmm. when this was taking place. And then the ending well, yeah. to go, like, blows your mind and takes place after Revenge of the Sith. And you're like, wow, I think this it's is like, like a really complete story. From Yeah. I think it's episode two of the Siege of Mandalore arc where um, Obi-Wan reveals uh, that uh, because Count Dooku is dead. And then you, as a prequel fan, go, oh, we're in it. Like, we're in the Revenge of the Sith time. Shit's about to go down. Yeah, I think that was literally a scene. Like, there was a scene in Revenge of the Sith where Obi-Wan was in the council room talking to, not the count, like the communications room, talking to other people. And we see the Mm -hmm. other side of that conversation play out. Yeah. It's like, oh, now we know. Yeah, it was like, I wish, yeah. Where at the end of that scene, uh, May says, like, something like, I sense a plot to destroy the Jedi. And then we see the rest of that scene in Clone Wars. I believe the end, like when Obi Wan leaves that room, that's the scene when he's starting to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. He asks Anakin to spy on the Chancellor after that, and yeah. the end of the Sith. And it's mm-hmm. like, oh, oh, we know crap's going down on Anakin and Obi Wan's side, mm-hmm. but what's what are Ahsoka, Maul, and Rex up to? Yeah, I also love Ahsoka's against that as well. Like she's so much like Anakin that you're asking Anakin to spy on one of his like only loyal friends because. But now she's- but now she can be like, now she can give them even more sasp. No wonder I left you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and then I, uh, there's a great uh, bit of back and forth where she like says something to Obi-Wan and then Obi-Wan's like, that's not fair. And Ahsoka says, wasn't trying to be. Mm. I was like, damn, this 17 year old gives no fox. <laughs> Most don't. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if we're being honest here. <laughs> uh, what's your favorite arc? If you had to pick one. How oh, that's mm, that's that's very tough. Um, Should I reword it in a way? What's one that <laughs> that you like a lot? <laughs> it's hard because I sometimes I like series of arcs that mm-hmm. aren't necessarily like, yep, this is definitely um, like off the top of my head. I really like the Mandalore arc. I was just thinking about like you see early on Duchess Satine trying to mm-hmm. uh, navigate like she's trying to be neutral. With the death but but there's a yeah, there's a subset of her people that want to be warmongers, and it ends up pulling her out of neutrality. And then Darth Maul takes charge of the power vacuum, murders the Duchess, takes over Mandalore, expands Death Watch to turn the people into warmongers again, to the point where he's deposed from that too. And Mandalore is basically left everyone's for themselves. Like oh, you just see the Maul and Savage fight. You just Holy. you see that. You just see the downfall of Mandalore as a culture from start mm-hmm. to end. Like, oh, they were doing pretty well. And then by the end, it's like, oh, man, you just, like, destroyed the planet, basically. Yeah. Or, um, well, yeah, the, the arc where Ahsoka leaves the Order, that's great. Yeah, I also love the... I think my most influential one that made this show probably one of the best ever is the Mortez arc. The Mortis just arc? Just the Mortis arc, yeah. Yeah. Um. Just, hey, there's gods now, <laughs> yeah. and I love how they expand the 
in in terms of you know these wars don't matter what really matters is the balance of the force and it just confirms that anakin basically is the chosen one and how he's supposed to be the balance of it and this is actually the first time i think we see sam witwer voice someone in the clone wars he voices the brother and he does a phenomenal job i mean Right. Oh, it's such a great, great arc. And then you you see him manipulate Anakin into sort of becoming the Nightfall. Uh, I think it's called like Nightfall Vader, where it's Vader before the before the suit and everything. I think that was the nickname I've seen online where oh, he yeah. he sees his full potential, what he becomes. And at the time, seeing like future visions of Revenge of the Sith animated, you're like, holy crap, I can't believe they're doing this. And then they wipe. And then, away. um, yeah, that's the one part where I'm like, okay, so they don't really learn anything, but maybe it's stuck with them. But also, it's still just a great arc where, um, yeah, they even have to fight Ahsoka at one point because she becomes corrupted by the brother. Yeah, it's just a great arc of learning. This is all this. The daughter's all good. The brother's all evil, and then the father is the balance, and you kind of have to learn from both of them in order to you have to have a sense of both uh in order to keep balance in the world yeah another one that i kind of consider a cheat is just domino squad in general like everything from oh yeah like in the timeline from uh Mm -hmm. when they're first commissioned and can't work together to them becoming uh to them holding out on the moon base to becoming arc troopers all the way up to mm-hmm. echo getting obliterated at the citadel and fives going crazy and everybody they have like that domino squad are from like you see them these clones so from the good. time they're like they're they're rookies they can't even hold themselves together in a fight to like them being battle-hardened soldiers and individual characters and just straight up badasses and then they get these tragic endings mm-hmm it's just it's crazy to watch or like anything with Ahsoka's yeah. growth or like Anakin's arc where he slowly learns to distrust the Jedi Council and uh, you I see. I love Fives. Fives is fantastic. If I if I had to pick a favorite clone, it'd be Rex, but probably right behind him is Fives. Yeah. And that's the one thing about the show that I wanted more. I wanted more of Cody, but yeah, <laughs> I guess he wasn't. He's That's why I was excited about season seven. It was like, oh, I saw Cody and all the promotion, and then he gets injured. I was like, fuck. They still, they still kind of, they do a little more with him in the Bad Batch. Still not as much as I want. They just give him yeah. nuggets. It's frustrating. I lo- it's just he's got an awesome look, and I think maybe it's because he's too, he's, I mean, he's like, he leads under Obi-Wan. I mean, he's very much by the book uh, kind of guy for the Republic, but. He's got a cool look. Show more of him. <laughs> like, yeah. Come on, man. <laughs> He's got so, a cool scar. I don't know. Is it a scar? Yeah, it's a scar. One person I always kind of underrated on this show was Padme. And I did allude to this yeah. earlier. When I was a kid and watched these, I'm like, oh, your arcs are all about politics. And that's boring. But when I watched it again as an adult, I realized her arcs are some of the most mentally provoking of the whole show mm-hmm. just because you you get to see it from it's not all about the action it's about oh how are people in charge manipulating the system from like propaganda and using the banking clan to 
manipulate stuff and the trade federation and and just like the senators and the corruption that's happening within the republic and she's the one dealing with all that stuff and it, it it's just interesting like i there yeah. was nothing in there that's like oh fantastic compared to some of the others but i they were always mm-hmm. interesting with padme yeah i also love her dynamic with anakin because just like in the movies she doesn't really take a lot of shit from Anakin. I mean, yeah. <laughs> even though they have this romantic relationship, she very much is on the forefront of a lot of politics, but even secret missions that she wants to do. Hey, the Jedi Council wants me to spy on my old close friend uh, who might be working for the Separatists. Yeah, I'll do it. I don't care what my man says. I'm capable of doing it. And she is capable yeah. of doing it. Anakin was Anakin, shown just to be a very... little jealous boy. <laughs> He was shown to be overprotective of her and 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 jealous. You got to see some, like he, they always loved each other a lot, and you got to see a lot of fun flirtation and like, mm-hmm. oh, I genuinely care about you. So their relationship was built well that way. But you also get to see a lot of their flaws too. It yeah. wasn't just this perfect fairy tale romance. Mm-hmm. And again, I talked about it before, but her and Ahsoka, it's just like it's just like two friends just like chilling. Yeah. I love, I think it's just an episode, or it might be an arc, where Ahsoka's getting visions that Padme might be assassinated by uh, that one assassin. Oh, I remember that one. What's her name? Yeah. Whatever her name is. Uh, but, uh, uh, was it? Damn it. Atena bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever her name is. And I think she actually appears in live action, like, really quick, if you look out for her. I think in Attack of the Clones, you can see her in the crowd, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, that's where she's from. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, their relationship is fun, too. Um, she was also, yeah, Padme's great. Her role on the show is mainly as a mentor to Boba Fett, if I recall. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, she does have that arc with Boba. I did like that one. My favorite part of the Boba Fett arc was when he tries to infiltrate a group of young clones to assassinate Mace Windu. When he's yes. like, oh, Mace Windu's leading a tour for young clones on this ship, and I'm, I'm going to kill him. <laughs> like, well, you're welcome to try, but I like the tenacity. Aura Singh. That's her Aura name. Singh. Yeah. She's not in it much, but when she is, she's a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, so um, let me see. I just, okay, yeah, Boba this, Fett's was a weird arc. <laughs> yeah. Man, it I'm, had mo- never, I'm not that big of a Boba Fett fan, but that's it had just its me. moments. Oh, yeah, I also liked yeah. the bit when he was in prison. I think it was, like, him and Cad Bane in prison or something. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or was yeah. it Obi-Wan? He was with somebody. I can't recall now. Boba, Boba Fett in prison? Yeah, he was in prison with somebody for an arc. Maybe. I love the arc where it's, uh, I mean, how can we not mention Hondo? Hondo and Akko. Yeah. <laughs> and that arc with Dooku, Obi-Wan, and Anakin all in prison together. Or being held ransom. They all had to work together to escape. Which is really funny. Because, like, Dooku and Anakin are just bickering with each other the whole time. And Obi-Wan's like, this is not helping our situation. (laughs) (laughs) You guys keep it together for one day. That was a Um, great one. There's also the arc with Ahsoka teaching the younglings um, at at Ilum. Getting their crystals and then them trying to chase that. That's not even the one I was thinking. I was thinking the one when she was trapped in the forest with uh, the younglings getting traced by that the one was messed up when they're getting hunted. Yeah, she straight up murders a guy. Yeah, mm-hmm. you killed my son, and she's There's like, "Your son stuff. died of his own actions." It's like, oh, 
a Jedi you are. <laughs> the Clone Wars was very dark for a supposed kid show. I just mm-hmm. have a list of just stuff I was thinking about as I was uh, thinking of notes for the show. I'm just like, how dark did it get? And I'm like, okay, so on a, on a kid show, this was a show about war. It does have war in the title. Star Wars, the Clone Wars, okay, mm-hmm. double war. Uh, but it doesn't sugarcoat the violence of war. In this series, we get torture, sabotage, executions, espionage, brainwashing, gaslighting, multiple genocides, Night Sisters and Jedi, friendly fire, mutiny, slavery, child soldiers, suicide. (laughs) (laughs) What the? War is hell. (laughs) Yeah. But to me, that's the whole whole point of the show at the end of the Mm -hmm. day. It's the entire show from season one to seven is basically how many arcs can we say about war in general? Every arc basically has something to say about the nature of war and what it does to society and the people who fight in it. Uh, The battles themselves, the propaganda behind them, shifting allegiances, the politics and economics behind the fighting, war profiteering, the cost for average citizens, the long-term cost for combatants, how neutral worlds get sucked into the conflict, and ultimately the way new status quos can be even scarier after the fact, and all of these discussions done in a very nuanced way. So th- this show was very deep. It- it's basically, mm-hmm. um, I don't want to, it's not really an anthology series, but j- to me the main theme of the show was war. And as a kid's show, I think the brutal like them not shying away from the brutality is pretty educational, and like this is what war is. And it's Star Wars, so it's it's safe and it's fantasy and it's not real. But also everything that's happening is pretty real. Yeah. The, and the locations and the characters and the Jedi powers, that's that's all fake. The droids and the clone armies. But what they're doing, the conversations they're having, they're all deadly real. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's it's 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 great. It sits with you as an audience member and as a Star Wars fan, and it makes you even connect all the way up to the Ahsoka show now with Ahsoka. And we know how she's feeling and what she's been through because we've witnessed it. I mean, we've witnessed the atroc atrocities she's been through at such a young age that we sympathize with her. We're like, yeah, you've seen some fuck shit, little one. And yeah. She has this whole arc of does she want to continue fighting or not in that show? And you resonate with her and you kind of understand why she wouldn't want to fight. And it's just a beautiful show. Yeah. It's a beautiful show that doesn't hold back its punches and doesn't treat its children as children, but just treats them as any other like normal audience member. And major respects to both George Lucas, Dave Filoni, and then the entire team at Lucasfilm that brought this series to light and yes they said lucasfilm not disney because you killed it and then brought it back to life and then killed it again <laughs> uh yeah basically uh all that's well said i don't have much to add there i just have another list here of, of characters that this show gave us and once again these are characters i can't imagine being not in star wars now mm-hmm. but just characters like Hondo, Duchess Satine, Savage Opress, Mother Talzin, Saw Gerrera, Rex, Ahsoka, 
we didn't even touch on the Saga Rare arc, but like all these characters were like for this show. And how many Mm. times have they been used since then? Since character, Saga Rare had a sister who was kind of dating Ahsoka's fling, who wasn't really a fling. She has her own like kind of like would they won't they relationship with a separatist guy. It's actually a nice arc. Never seen him again <laughs> after the Sakurera thing, but uh, I don't yeah. know if they if he had if he had any other purpose. Were they but I actually rewatch like I rewatch clips of that where um this separatist fling um I just looked up his name I don't remember fuck now. whatever um uh something Bon Terry whatever whatever um and uh where he. The the separatist fling and kisses Sagrera's sister, and the Soka's like kind of cheering him on, like "There you go, buddy!" Like letting go of her attachment. So maybe that's how they just—they're like, "Yeah, she's just supportive now." Interesting. Yeah, interesting. I like that. But hey, it was one of those things. Where it was like, "Oh, Ahsoka might. This is her trial of attachment, but she ultimately <laughs> just fucks off anyway." <laughs> yeah, I think it's uh, interesting. They never gave her a, a romantic lead, and that's that's fine. She didn't need mm-hmm. it. So besides yeah. all the new characters, I think Clone Wars expanded a lot on old characters so much that they felt new again, like Maul, Ventress, uh, Commander Cody, Anakin. Like these characters were all around before, but you actually made them way better. Mm-hmm. So that, that's basically what this show did. It just took everything about the era it was in and and made it, it took nuance to it. It fleshed it out. It expanded the politics, the character arcs, the just all of the war itself and made it into kind of its own thing. I think, like I said, the Clone War season one to seven without any of st- other Star Wars is just a very good seven season uh, capsule about war in society. And... Mm-hmm. Like that's why I think this show is a work of art stands alone, even though you you need context for the Star Wars story to understand a lot about yeah. it. But I think it stands alone pretty well as uh mm-hmm. it's one of the best offerings of Star Wars. And I think that's what Star Wars a lot of times is missing for me, is that examination of war on society. Mm-hmm. The prequels are more about uh the effects of politics and war. The originals are more about underdogs fighting against oppression uh, to to free themselves. Uh, the Clone Wars is more an even struggle of there's really no clear sides here. The Republic and the Separatists, once you really stop to examine them, like, yeah, the Separatists are run by the bad guys, but their cause isn't bad inherently. Mm-hmm. And both sides do some really messed up stuff in the name of victory. We're just following the Jedi yeah. and the supposed light side users and and whatnot, but it's all still very nuanced. Uh, that's why I love stuff like that, or Andor that's also in the vein of the original trilogy. That's why do people want to rebel against oppression in the first place? How do grassroots movements start up from nothing? Like that, to me, I think is my favorite part of Star Wars, now that I'm just talking about all this stuff. It's just mm-hmm. like, it's what sets it apart from other things. This is a fantasy story about war. And 
its effects on a fictional galaxy, but like, what does it say about our society? Mm-hmm. Is is where it's at its at its best. And the sequels are about incompetence. <laughs> the sequels, you know. Okay, I'm gonna get the sequels. This the closest thing I can think of for a good message is the sequels are essentially World War One Germany. The bad guys get crushed so hard that they just radicalize even further and come back with a vengeance. Not that World War One Germany were the bad guys per se, because that was more of a that was World War One was a dick measuring contest for everybody. <laughs> World War One wasn't really good versus bad, but the the point is Germany. It wasn't like Germany didn't even start that war, but they got sanctioned so hard at the end of like they basically took all the blame for it and got sanctioned yeah. so hard. They radicalized into Nazis and nationalists and they and t- try to take their revenge on on Europe after that. Uh, the first order is ba- <laughs> the first order is basically the same way. Imperial supporters got crushed so hard they came back with a vengeance. And that's maybe the closest thing to good politics I can think about for the sequels and war. But yeah. that's just me spinning. Uh, Clone Wars, fantastic. <laughs> Clone Wars, fantastic show, fantastic action, storytelling, voice acting, and just... Animation. Animation. It's brought a generation of Star Wars fans together and just solidified why the prequels are great. And yep. a lot of thanks is that to the vision of George Lucas and also the vision of Dave Filoni and... I have nothing but praise for both of them. If I ever meet either one of them, I will die on the spot. <laughs> um, God, if he, if either one of them ever came to Toronto, there's just been there no way. It's just not even possible. I don't think you could handle Maybe George Dave. Lucas, but da- Dave, you could. Yeah, Dave seems like a chill guy. Like you just meet yeah. at a bar and buy a beer with. <laughs> just See, drink Dave, a beer with. <laughs> look, Dave's one of those ones where the real fans enjoy this. Well, okay. A lot of fans enjoy the stars of the shows. Oh, I know the names mm-hmm. of the actors. I'll wait in line. Dave Filoni is like, the real fans have to know who's behind the shows. Yeah. Like, and I know a lot of them are, like, they overlap. A huge chunk of people know who Dave Filoni is, and they, and they love the man, or they tolerate him. I don't know. He's, he's got a lot of detractors for many reasons. Mm-hmm. But a lot of people know who he is. He's kind of like, I don't know. You ask an average Marvel person off the street, hey, who runs the MCU? A lot of people might pull the name Kevin Feige out. Mickey but Mouse. A lot of, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of people also have no idea. Yeah, that's fair. He's the uh, the patron saint of Star Wars right now. Yeah. So far, the Ahsoka show, one through six, we're loving it. <laughs> so just keep coasting. Just keep. Just keep doing what you're doing. This time capsule might date me, but they, they don't need to even stick the line. They, they don't need to do great. They just need to keep going to the ending and not suck. And it'll be, yeah. I'll be happy at this yeah. point. Just land, just do it normal. Just, you know, just pull out the wheels, slow down, you know, the rudder speed. You don't gotta, you don't gotta do like a, <laughs> all we ask is roll? that you don't suck. <laughs> just don't suck. Cut to us in a few weeks. Well, guys, it sucked. It sucked. <laughs> it sucked way more. I Thrawn turned to a that. giant frog and ate everybody. <laughs> <sighs>
Oh, God. All right, let's wrap Thrawn turned into <laughs> Thrawn turned into Kylo Ren. Um, anyway. Oh, my Lord. You can find me at Ryan Walker Official on YouTube, TikTok, and on Instagram. So if Thrawn's Kylo Ren, that means he's Han Solo's son somehow? What? You can find me on... It's a problem. <laughs> it's a Disney problem. You can find me on Instagram, TikTok, and Facebook at ThoughtPlay Media. Also, check out the close-up with Ryan and Joe Facebook page for latest updates on the show. If you listen to us in audio, check out our YouTube channel. And if you're on YouTube, find us anywhere you get your favorite podcasts. We hope to see you on the next close-up with Ryan and Joe. Till next time.